Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. Welcome back, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back with you tonight. We have a returning guest, uh, crypto. I'm going to say expert. You probably disagree, but I'm going to say crypto expert. Works for iTrust Capital. And in light of everything that's going on, I thought we would have you back and give us an update and calm us uh, crypto dummies down. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me, man. I I do accept the title of crypto expert. I have spent thousands of hours of, of independently kind of analyzing the technology, uh, investment theses, you know, writing long form and, uh, think right now the market's a little jittered, but they should not be. Yeah. So we got Anthony Bertolino from iTrust Capital and he does, he wears many hats there. He's an investment analyst, one of the smartest guys in the room. Those analysts were, especially when we were in the banking world, they were the ones we always actually looked up to. And then also a director of brand experience. Is that right? Yes. Director of brand and client experience. So kind of focusing on the growth side and then making sure our clients are happy. Yeah, give a little plug for iTrust real quick before we get neck deep. Yeah, so we're the number one crypto IRA platform. If anyone is using retirement accounts, knows what a retirement account is, you now can invest in crypto within your retirement account. iTrust Capital, we have more than a billion dollars on the platform, You know, 20,000 plus clients growing rapidly. Crypto retirement accounts is, is not something that's going away. So investors, you got to optimize for taxes and you can do that easily now. What's the uh, assets under management right now? I think it's around 1.5 billion. You know, a little bit down. We, we almost hit two billion, and then we've had this little correction here. Um, Did you, you know. see some outflows? No, interestingly enough. So there's some trades, right? You know, a lot of people are actively trading, but on a net net basis, it's day in day out. The the, the sellers. We also have an equal amount of buyers. Usually, roughly, interestingly enough. So it, it's kind of remaining flat. I think the, the the weak money is selling, the smart money is buying. Okay, let's let's touch on that real quick. So uh, I looked it up. It was June twenty second was the uh, capitulation date, I guess you could say. But in my opinion, what kind of sparked all that was China banning crypto selling. I get did they ban all forms of crypto or just Bitcoin? You know, they kind of have twofold things going on. The first thing they have is they are cracking down on exchanges where you can kind of buy and sell within China. And then they're also cracking down on mining. And that's the the miners who support the network. I think geopolitically, this is a major mistake from them that will look back in 5, 10, 20 years. Um, as, As we know, they tried to block out the Internet. People get around that with VPNs. I think they're trying to block out crypto assets now. They want to try to ma- maintain that you know, sort of totalitarian presence. And uh, I think this is a huge opportunity for America to look at innovation, look at this technology and say, you know what, we're actually going to accept this technology. And I think that will allow America to actually uh, really dominate the next 10 years if we adopt this stuff. Now, tell me that they just reading from my point of view, it seems like one of the reasons they want to ban it is because they want to uh, push their digital wand. How, how does that play into Bitcoin? And, and obviously, you know, China's got the power to do a lot of things that we think they can't, but, you know, they're going to be so strong. 
that digital wand's going to it's going to have a big presence. How's that going to compete with Bitcoin? Yeah, so they're definitely going to move forward with that. You know, they've been rolling that out in sort of testing phases. It'll get more and more ingrained into their economy. Interestingly enough, different than the U.S., we're a lot slower on adopting new payment technology. So we aren't even using kind of QR codes and digital payments yet in America, where in Southeast Asia, China, you know, this sort of uh, just Asia region in general, they're already using digital payments, these digital payment apps. When they want to buy their tea, their coffee, their boba, their soda, they just scan their phone, do a digital payment. Now, that's sort of just like a fintech layer. You're using traditional fiat currencies. But now they're going to bridge into this new digital yuan where you're actually exchanging digital tokens directly. It's just fiat, tokenized fiat. Instead of printing any money now, it's all digitally printed. You'll find over the next 10, 20, 30 years, these digital government fiat currencies that they control and they can print as much as they want are going to compete on a macro scale with uh, like you know, sovereign digital currencies like Ethereum and Bitcoin that have fixed monetary policies, uh, low inflation, no inflation. And you'll see crypto really dominate those over the next 5, 10, 20 years on a trading pair basis, right? You know, these, these crypto assets will appreciate versus these fiat currencies, in yeah, my opinion. You, you, so you think like a Bitcoin and Ethereum is going to outperform the digital one, let's say? Hundred percent. Yep. I, I believe that the world has woken up to know that. And you guys have known, right? You know, a lot of the listeners, you guys are, are smart, but these normal people living in the world who don't really pay attention, they just found out that governments just print money like crazy, kind of because of the COVID stimulus. You know, I've had a lot of people in my social circle who are not in financial planning, not investing, and they go, Hey, the government's just printing money. I was like, Man, welcome to the show, right? It's been this way. And uh, once you put that realization on, you want to invest in like real estate. You want to invest in stocks. You want to invest in crypto. And I think that people are moving away from these fiat currencies. They really realize it. If you look at even the prices of watch, watches, used cars, normal consumer goods, lumber, wood, oil, a lot of these things are already spiking and costing more money. Um, I think you'll see the dollar just have very high uh, inflation rate. I think cost of goods are going to go up dramatically over the next five years. And the way you can protect that is by investing in, in hard assets. And I think crypto plays a major role in that for people's portfolios. So you think crypto is a hard asset? 100%. You, you look at Ethereum or Bitcoin, you look at the inflation schedule. Um, you know, these things are going to arguably be flat, no inflation, or even net negative. Ethereum, you'll find in the, over the next five years, moving to something called proof of stake and using a, a fee burning mechanism, the amount that is printed to secure the network more than that amount will be burned. So you'll have a supply that is going down. And uh, you know when they're printing dollars and then burning ETH, ETH is going to outperform those dollars, right? Tell me how it gets burned. Talk us through that process. I don't, I don't quite understand that. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanism. Long story short, when people use the network, just like if you use the internet, you have to pay with Ether tokens. It'd be like if when you use the internet, you have to pay in some kind of internet money, right? Now, when you use this, and this is anyone, this is governments, this is regular users. A lot of people use these networks, you know, government issues, bonds on them, banks are building on them. There's a lot of things. But when people use these networks, they have to pay in the token Ether. And part of that transaction fee gets burned and never is created ever again. So you have this base of assets and people, when people use it, part of it gets burned. And that's like, imagine when you pay for a coffee, you know, it's $10. Imagine if they take that $10 
you know, whatever. And then they burn a dollar of it. The dollars would go down over time if they weren't printing dollars, right? And so with ETH, you have this sort of very low inflation that gets printed. Then people use this network, which gets burned, and it will be a net negative inflation, a supply that goes down. This is everything that's built on the Ethereum network? Uh, Yeah. So almost everything really popular in crypto for the most part is built on the Ethereum network. And Ether, ETH, the token, Mm -hmm. is the sort of native account, the, the, the store of value asset, the reserve currency. And that's the asset that's going to be burned. Gotcha. And Bitcoin doesn't function like this. Or- Correct. Yeah. Bitcoin as a sort of you know monetary economic system is very different. Um, they print Bitcoin until it hits a ceiling in about the year, you know, 2100, you know, say we got like 50 years ago, whatever, 80 years ago. Um, it hits a ceiling, 21 million Bitcoin, and then it's capped. Uh, but there's no fee burning mechanism. Mm. It's still good, right? You have a fixed supply of Bitcoin dollars being printed. The Bitcoin becomes more valuable, right? Just like land. You, know, you can't print more land, can't print more Bitcoin. And they keep printing dollars. But Ethereum is is much more uh, economically sophisticated. So the way that they designed Ethereum was it was going to be burned off over time. That that was not in the original plans, but it was adapted because it also helps secure the network. It also makes the network perform better. And as a side effect, it actually increases the economic might of Ethereum, the asset. So I was listening to a podcast today preparing for this one trying to get a little up to speed and it was the uh the guy that runs ether capital okay and he's talking about um there's a there's a few out there yeah anyway so he was giving the analogy for dummies which i appreciated so he said like bitcoin you can compare that to gold it's like a digital gold and then he said uh ethereum mimics the operating system much Mm -hmm. like you know Microsoft operating system. We, you know, we have an understanding of that. We can we can wrap our heads around that. But I thought that was a good analogy to actually try to figure out what the hell Bitcoin or blockchain actually is. Agreed. Yeah, I usually like to say the internet. You know, you have the internet, and then internet internet tech companies build on top of it. Ethereum is like the internet, but a similar analogy. You know, you have a computer, you have an operating system. Companies build applications that you, you know, you load an Internet Explorer, you you load a Microsoft Teams, you load a StreamYard. Um, Yeah, I think that's an interesting analogy. So a couple one of those days when uh, when all that crashed, I sent you a text that said, hey, what what the hell do we do now? And you (laughs) said, bye, bye, bye. And so I went out and I bought and it rallied back up and I was thankful. I was like, hey, this is awesome. And then it dumped again. A yeah. couple of weeks ago. So as it is right now, and we're not here to give investment advice. We, we got to give that disclaimer. But in your opinion, you think now is still a great time to be buying for the long haul. So, you know, I'm not here on behalf of iTrust Capital. I work at iTrust Capital, but I'm an independent analyst myself. You know, this is definitely not financial advice. I'm no one's financial advisor, you know, just an analyst. Uh I firmly believe that the long-term thesis is still strong for many crypto assets. Not all, I'll say. I don't hold Dogecoin, right, for example. I don't hold a lot of tokens, but there are certain tokens that I do believe very much in. I think the long-term thesis is as strong as ever. I think that um, you know many investors who bought and kept accumulating during 2018, 2019, 2020, the, the stages of the bear market, those people are literally rich now. 
you know? And I think if we go through a few more months of a bear market, I think people who are aggressively buying will literally be rich uh, one, two, three, four, five years from now. And I believe that always is a good time to be buying currently in the early stages of this environment. Um, you know, $4,000 Ethereum, I think was temporarily a little expensive. I wasn't buying there, but I'm definitely buying ether at call it $1,500, $1,500, buying a lot of the exciting DeFi tokens that we also have at iTrust Capital. You can, I mean, it's crazy to think that you could be investing in some of these things in your retirement account, which could go on to take over the world. You know, early it's like investing in Amazon or Yahoo or Google or Microsoft 10, 20 years ago in your retirement account. I think that potential is here right now. I'm always buying. Yeah. And inside your retirement account, that's a brilliant idea. And guys, we, we, I actually have this, uh, I, I trust account, so we use it, you know, ourselves. Uh, is that promo code still good, Anthony? Yes. I don't have your promo code off the top of my head. We can put that in the, in the show description. Um, but think, that's active. Yeah. So we still have it here. The promo code is next level. If you guys want to check that out, uh, you know, that's how we actually discovered and brought on Anthony here is because uh, I think me and Shane or my other friend, Will, he's in finance as well. We're like, you know, we got to find a way to buy this, you know, and grow it in a tax-free environment and did some Googling around and, and you guys just, you know, kept coming back. And, you know, just a quick plug for you guys. Like, I love the interface. It's simple. You know, sometimes when you log into Fidelity and there's 500 buttons and, <laughs> you know, it kind of get a little complex, especially on top of trying to keep up with, you know, 500 different tokens, uh, you know, simplicity is makes life much easier. So 100%. definitely make sure to check them out with that promo code next level. Yeah. I just say the listeners, you know, head to itruscapital.com, make a free account next level as the promo code. You won't have to pay any monthly fees. Even if you set it up, you get a month off, um, but you get a free account, even if you don't um, fund it, you know, check out the platform, check out the crypto assets. We have a massive knowledge center, they can schedule a call, you know, free call, talk to one of our specialists. It's uh, it's something that I think people should at least be aware of because they'll be kicking themselves in 10 years if they knew of the opportunity and didn't take it. Are you guys working on a different way to deposit money in there? That's a good question. So that's an initiative that I, that's a good reminder. I need to put that on my, my, my technology. <laughs> yeah, that, that that would be my dev team. Right hey, talking to the right guy. Yeah, yeah I, it, I, it I is. Send, I want to send more money, but... It's a little bit tedious <laughs> right now, you know? So kind of two things going on there. One, we acquired a company that is in, in the private. Uh, we haven't announced it yet. That will make uh, normal payments like bank direct bank payments a lot easier. And then I'm going to have our tech team build sort of an integration that will make you be able to deposit crypto. Mm -hmm. Now, technically, it's not depositing crypto because the IRS doesn't directly let you deposit crypto, but it's going to sort of feel like you're depositing crypto into your IRA account. Like it's not going to be exactly like that on the background. There'll be a swap that happens, legally speaking. Um, but that's how you convert it to fiat and then bought again. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And but then it's in your IRA. Then it's compliant. But it feels like you use crypto. So okay. it's a. Uh, and then if if you had crypto at a loss, say you bought Ether at three thousand, and now it's two thousand, and you sent it to us to do the deposit, and you, it sells it, and then it goes to, and then it buys it back automatically. You actually would get a, a tax write off there. It'd be a loss mm -hmm. theoretically. Right exactly. now, um, there's something called Walk no wash the sales. <laughs> yeah. The, the so just to clarify, there's a little bit of unclarity that hasn't been clarified in regards to uh, what is selling at a loss and buying back in the stock market. You can't sell your Apple stock at a loss 
take the take the tax deduction because you can get you can write off losses, right? Let's say you buy Apple stock, you sell it, you locked in a loss. That's a that's a tax deduction on your taxes. You lost money, which is you lowers your tax burden, lowers your income. Um, with crypto and in, in, in the U.S. with stocks, once you sell it, you're not able to buy it back for I think call it 30 days or something like that. People can look this up. Call wash. I think it's sale. 60. 60, even longer. There you go. I'm not, I'm not the stock guy. Um, with crypto though, they haven't clarified that. So certain accountants, and I am not an accountant, I'm not an advisor, right? Certain accountants take the position that if you sell ETH and then you buy back ETH, or if you sell ETH and then you buy back Bitcoin, you, you can lock in that loss and still get your asset back. So theoretically, if you had ETH right now and you bought it at $4,000, one ETH, and then you deposit it into iTrust Capital with a new thing we're going to, we're going to build. You would then sell that ETH instantly, lock in a $2,000 loss, and then buy back ETH in your retirement account. So you would end up still with one ETH, except now it's in your retirement account to grow tax-free, and you locked in a loss. Now, definitely speak to your accountant about this. <laughs> no, we're going on what you said, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Lives forever on the internet. <laughs> so... um you said you guys are working on uh, uh, like an ACH deposit as well? Yeah, sort of uh, like Stripe is one good tech company that allows you to like, you could just log into your bank, right? Josh, you put it, you know, it says Wells Fargo, Chase, whatever you can click it. It does a deep sync, keeps it secure, but then you could deposit 500 bucks or whatever. Right. That should be that should be out within, I'm going to call it like 90 days. Hard yes. to say. Perfect. But that's huge for us, for sure. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm waiting on that. That would be my only complaint. Otherwise, I love it. Yeah, definitely. You know, make it easy and, and we'll send more money. <laughs> Agreed, man. Yeah, I just wrote it down so I can get to my dev team to expedite that. For sure. And I, I mean, just one more uh, suggestion while I'm thinking about it. You know, I usually set up like uh, a, a goof. I got the guy here. I got full of ideas, man. Every time I start something new, I'm like, how can I improve this, right? This system. Hey, you got the director of right, customer yeah. service, bro. Now uh, you got you, bro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, like, you know, we use Gusto for payroll, right? Uh, yep, me too. There's a way to, you know, connect, like, you know, you can split up where your deposit goes, right? So mm-hmm. there's a way to be able to send, you know, X amount to directly to you guys, you know. So or with Gusto, I know they do 401ks and like SEP IRA integrations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do traditional and Roth IRAs, mm-hmm. but I do agree that, you know, that's a huge sort of market. A company called For Us All or By Us All, they do sort of crypto 401ks you can only put in like five percent of your money there um we firmly do iras mm-hmm. but, but we're exploring 401ks but yeah no i always welcome suggestions i mean clients can send us messages you guys can hit me directly it's something that really is what makes companies good is when they listen to their customers right well i'm, I'm not talking i'm talking i'm not talking at the company level i'm talking about like at the personal deposit level like you know where i can direct like where my where you know deposits into my account you know, just like an automatic deposit into an iTrust account through. So, like, let's say my paycheck's a thousand bucks, right? Uh, you know, and I like I was sending like two hundred of that to like interactive brokers. Is another brokerage I use. You know, mm-hmm. so I would I would dedicate twenty percent of the paycheck to get in there, and then the rest come into my checking account. But you know, if I could get, or if some you know some way could be set up where I could dedicate X amount to come into iTrust, you know, and then the rest into my checking account. Yeah. 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 I, I'll talk to one of our product managers about looking at that scope. I, I think it would just be us talking to these payment providers who do mm-hmm. these payrolls and doing right. integration. It seems feasible. I mean, yeah. probably would take 
while with all these politics and these like payroll providers. Right. They, might, they might want you to pay them big bucks. I don't know, but it's something we'll explore. I definitely yeah. appreciate oh, that. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. I have a confession to make, bro. <laughs> I have become a uh, crypto miner. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but but I let me guess. You, you probably bought some mining contracts. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. How are you mining? So, well, I bought I bought a rig, right? I oh, found wow. a guy that uh, that builds rigs, and you know I had to go on the black market to find these GPU cards. Mm-hmm. But I hustled up like three GPU cards, and now I've got this rig upstairs that we. It, I put it in the office first. It was making so much noise. My wife said that the rig's got to go, <laughs> so she wouldn't even come in here when the rig was in here. So I took the rig out, put it upstairs. And so now the, the rig runs in the game room where the kids can't really watch TV anymore. Yeah. Now it's a rig room. You know, I think it's very interesting. You know, you guys live in Texas. I think a lot of Bitcoin mining is moving to Texas um, for multiple reasons. Um, it's something I haven't actually really dove into. You know, I've oh, firmly cool. been, Yeah. And how do you, how are you tracking, say, profit and loss versus like energy costs, things like that? So, before I go deep in, I haven't really got all of the energy costs down path. That's why I only want okay. with a, a few GPU cards before mm-hmm. I go like heavy. Mm-hmm. And then you're also worried on the, the political scene, you know, like if they crack down on, you know, people consuming too much energy, mm-hmm. they want you to dial it back in the middle of the summer. They, they're definitely not going to want some dude bootlegging crypto in his house, right? Yeah. You know, consuming we already got an energy stuff. problem here in Texas. Yeah. yeah. They're, so that, that's held me back too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you figure out what the cost of the kilowatt hour is going to be, you know, versus mm-hmm. what you're making. And the three cards, you know, they don't make a ton, but right now it's about 400 a month. Wow. And, I'm, and you can pick which one you want to have it mined into, mm-hmm. but uh, I do Ethereum. There you go, man. <laughs> yeah, now, so, the cool thing about Ethereum is that we're moving to proof of stake. So any ether exactly. you get, eventually you can mine it with no energy costs, basically. That's the right. future so, we're going. And, and that's what I want to talk about now. So what I'm doing is called proof of work. Yep. Am, am I wrong? 100% correct. Okay. So like like if you want to build a mining rig, uh, which I highly recommend, Anthony, that you do that as well. <laughs> that is called proof of work. Now they're moving to what's called proof of stake. Can you talk us through how that works? Yeah. So... Simply put, proof of work, you buy these advanced hardware, essentially like computers. They can make a lot of noise. They might make a lot of heat and they definitely use a lot of energy. And the goal is this energy is theoretically turned into coins in a way. You know, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of these calculations on the computer and you you mine coins. I think that was an interesting invention. I think it helps secure the network. I don't believe that's the future of blockchain security. I believe the future of blockchain security is this next thing, which is proof of stake. Instead of doing this hard work with these big machines and these big energies, you actually put up a stake. So you need to lock up your money, the asset like ETH, and you put it into a very small computer that uses almost no electricity and you just hook it up to your Wi-Fi, for example. It's like a, more like a little box instead of a rig. And it mines in the same way it earns coins in the same way, but it does it with instead of you investing money in these hard, big computers, you invest money in the asset itself. And the economics make it so 
you're securing the network, you're earning interest, but it's very green. It's very friendly, very low cost, very uh, energy efficient, but it do, you do have to own the asset itself, right? So that does cost money, but it's, it's a perpetual ownership. So with your rigs, those things are great for 12, 24, 36 months. Eventually you got to upgrade, right? With proof of stake, you never got to upgrade. Your coins are always your energy source, your, your big power. And uh, those things go but up in can, value. But you can only make money. You can only stake what you own. So you got to go buy Ether first. And then once you own it, then you can stake it. And what does it pay you to stake? Do you know? So it does depend on like how many people are using the system um, and how many transaction fees, how, how much it's growing. But typically you'll earn around 4 to 8% per year interest. And that's on like cash flows, like passive money while still owning the asset itself. You're getting extra 4%. And is there risk to that? Like if, if I stick wherever I have my money or my ether, if I stake it, is there, is there risk in me doing that? So it's what we call the risk-free rate, um, where it's similar to like treasury bonds. If you're holding a U.S. treasury note, you're getting interest. Theoretically, that's backed by the government. It's like it's a they call it risk-free rate. People can look this up. Risk-free rate. Um, staking like Ethereum and staking your Polkadot, staking your Cardano is theoretically the risk-free rate of the of that system. There still is some small like things called slashing risks um, that are meant to be. At, in the grand scheme of things, proof of stake secures the network. That's what it's designed to do. If someone wants to attack the network, they will get slashed. So as long as you don't attack the network, you're good to go. Don't attack the network. Don't even know how. There you go. I'd rather just make money. You'd rather just be a good guy and make money. That's it's yeah, good sense. Yeah. So um uh the, the you know, I know uh, um, Elon, he mentioned the whole thing with like, you know, I think that I personally think that's when it kind of started. I know, you know, Shane mentioned like, you know, the thing with China, I think that kind of amplified it. But, you know, he said he's not going to accept it for uh, for Tesla because it's not, you know, being produced in a, in a green fashion or mined uh, in that way. So do you see a solution for that with the staking or is there anything like that comparable to in the Bitcoin realm? Yeah, so Bitcoin will likely never go to proof of stake, sort of the ideology around their beliefs on proof of work versus proof of stake. It's sort of a different ideology. But the interesting thing about, about, as you guys know, free market and economic incentives, when there is an incentive that if you can generate free energy, maybe through the solar, green energy, if you can generate free energy and then you can mine Bitcoin, which is economic value, the free market starts to think of ways that it can get free energy because then you can get free energy and you mine all of its profit in Bitcoin. And so what this is going to do, and it's going to kickstart a revolution of, of it actually incentivizes green energy, not because it's so good for the earth, which I love the earth. I want green energy to take over. I want everything to be solar powered, but that's because of what's emotional, right? We want to reserve the earth. Maybe it's sort of economic survivor. You know, we want to survive, but now if you do green energy production, free energy production through the sun, through the wind, through the, the water, hydro, um, you can mine on it. And so what this is going to do is going to continue to create uh, economic incentive to create free green energy. This has already been seen with something called flare mining. So when they drill for oil, they drill into the ground, get the oil. It creates like hot flares, right? And it shoots up out of these like systems. I'm fairly naive. But I know this on a surface level. 
the Bitcoin miners have found a way to take those flares that just shot up into the earth and capture that, turn it into energy and mine Bitcoin. This has never been done before. They're yeah. now taking the flares from the, the oil rigs and that's turning it into energy. This is That's crazy. No one had done, had done that before because there was no economic incentive. Wow. So maybe that was his ultimate goal then too. You never know. He is a solar guy, right? <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. Hey, I, I tried to get you to tell us before the last time you were on, but tell us some of the other tokens that you really believe in that – Totally. challenge ethereum or they can coexist or yeah so you know there's interesting projects that i think will try to compete with ethereum but ultimately i think that's sort of futile um i think that they can coexist and take a smaller chunk of the market um things that will benefit if ethereum grows and will still benefit if ethereum is not growing are things like ave aave this is a sort of global decentralized bank um, with a killer team. Ave, there's another thing called um, Maker in the tokens MKR. This is sort of a global decentralized financial reserve. It allows people to lock up assets and mint dollars. So it's like a sort of like a bank. Um, there's something called Uniswap. Uniswap is a decentralized exchange. So if you want to exchange tokens, Instead of going to iTrust Capital or going to Coinbase and, and working with a company, you can actually exchange directly person to person through a Uniswap protocol. Um, the interesting thing about these, Aave the token, Maker the token, Uniswap the token, these are sort of the equity and governance tranche of these systems. So if Maker becomes a global bank that services the world, millions of users, the ones who benefit are Aave token holders because that's the stock, that's the equity piece. And so most people don't know these things, right? They think, you know, tokens are cool. Tokens go up or down. But when you can find the tokens that are the ownership of protocols that are going to take over the world and, and take over banks, take over exchanges, um, what you have there is, you know, 100x opportunity, 1,000x opportunity, potentially inside of your retirement account. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Something else that you mentioned that I want to go over real quick. I've got it up over here. Token terminal. Yes. You know, I was in the banking world and, you know, when we talk about trading stocks, you really need to know the financials, right? You need to dig deep. You need to do some really good technical analysis. And, you know, I didn't even realize that you could do this on tokens. Mm -hmm. But when you mentioned token terminal, you know, I've got it up right now. You can actually see, actually see the revenue of these tokens. Correct. So I've got Ethereum up right here, bro. And so I see the revenue side mm -hmm. and it, Tell me, walk me through this. It looks like I see daily fees that are collected mm -hmm. that Ethereum makes per day. Yep. But where do those fees go? That's Who makes that money? So right now they go to miners like you. You not only yes. get the in, yeah exactly. <laughs> you not only get the inflation. You know they 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 uh, there's a small amount of inflation in order to incentivize miners to secure the network. Like Bitcoin is secured purely from inflation. Ethereum, interestingly enough, because it's used, there's not only inflation, but there's real transaction fees. Transaction fees get paid to the miners. Now, when we move to proof, proof of stake, transaction fees get paid to the stakers. So it sort of creates this flywheel effect of I own Ethereum. I use Ethereum. I also stake Ethereum. So I earn the fees as people use Ethereum and you become an owner in this system. 
With proof of work, it's temporary. It's transitory. Most people run proof of work things as sort of a business, right? You know, I have my energy costs. I have my hardware costs. I want to make a profit. With proof of stake, you just lock up those coins, those bad boys, and you just get cash flows for for essentially life. Okay. Revenues so are no miners and stakers. Yeah. With no risk if you don't attack the network. Theoretically, yes. Yeah. Uh, you, it's it's to consider the risk-free rate. People should look up something called Ethereum, the internet bond. Ethereum, the internet bond. That's Bonds right. are you hold a note, you get cash flow on the note, or you get interest. Ethereum is going to be the internet bond. Did that All right, so, well, I've got one more for you. So you can see the revenues daily, um, but you see Ethereum going down in revenues. What, what's going on there? Yeah. So if you're zoomed in on, say, like a 30-day scale or a 60-day scale, um, it might be trending down. If you zoom out to like a 90-day, 120-day scale, a one-year scale, that bad boy is trending up. If you zoom out to like a three-year scale, that thing is growing rapidly. Um, a lot I've of these got things. It. Mm-hmm. I've got it zoomed out on a six-month, but okay. I show like one day, and I don't even know how this is possible, but May 11th, it shows they made 100 and 17 billion. 17 million. million. That's a day. But yep. then like yesterday, they only made 6.9. What, mm-hmm. what happened to that massive spike there and what, what is the reason why it's so much lower than it was? Yeah. So part of it is the more that Ethereum or crypto is going up, the more people are logging in and using it. Maybe they're trading on Ethereum, trading on Uniswap. Maybe they're using Aave, the bank. Maybe they're, they're using all these apps mm-hmm. that live on Ethereum. Gotcha. And so when Ethereum is also very high priced, say $4,000, those fees are going to be even higher mm. as it's supply and demand. There's limited demand on the Ethereum network price is going up. The news is talking about it. Everyone's using it. Everyone has to pay high fees. Now we're in a quiet phase. Crypto's dead again, according to the mainstream media, right? You talk to someone on the street, crypto crashed. It's over, you know, the 1200th time um, there's less users right now. Right. And so revenues go down. Um, but when you zoom out long-term, the, the revenue trend is very, very strong. And, um, but it is very correlated right now in this sort of speculative market. How long do you think it'll be, it'll lay in this kind of range that it's in right now where it's a little bit down? Yeah. I think that we probably have three to five months, three to five months of a sort of healthy reaccumulation phase. You know, Ethereum started the year at probably, you know, $300 lower than that, maybe like a hundred, $200. Um, we're at like $2,000. So being in this, you know, 1500 to 2000 range, if we were there for a few months, that would be really healthy to me. Um, I think if we go back up right away, that's, you know, that's just too fast for me. I would rather things go, you know, instead of going up a 10 X a year, just do like a two or three X. I mean, geez. Stocks yeah, it gives, me time to, gives me time to mine some Ethereum while we wait. <laughs> there you go, man. I agreed. And then I have a quick question before we finish off. Uh, how do you guys pick the tokens to, to put into iTrust? Yeah, so there's a f- fairly formal vetting process. Um, we look at sort of how active is the community? How long has the project been around? Um, how active is the team? How often are they developing the software? Um, what other exchanges have listed it? You know, people like Coinbase or Gemini, Kraken, who are kind of some of the early authorities in the space. Um, and then we also look at demand. 
So, and custody. So we have special security providers, Coinbase Custody and Curve. We need to make sure our custody providers can secure it for us. Mm. So, you know, I mean, there's thousands of crypto assets out there. I think that maybe 100 or 200 are actually good. And we try to offer those ones that are good, that are going to be around and that are in demand. So you guys could, we could say it's cherry picked by and vetted by your team. So this, it's not just, you know, shooting in the dark type of thing when you're going out there. Yeah, more than likely, it doesn't mean that that token is going to be going up in value right. over the next year or two or five, but it means it's definitely not a scam and it's right. definitely been vetted and there likely is some demand there. Yeah, and that holds a lot of weight, right? I mean, with the whole, I can't even remember what's the one, you know, that got halted. Uh, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of projects have had issues. I don't know which one, but yeah. Yeah, you know, and I mean, when you're investing, you know, when you're thinking about retirement the long term, the last thing you want to do is have to worry about that I invest into a scam, you know? So it it's peace of mind, you know? And then obviously you can pull up any one of these apps and just close your eyes and scroll 15 times and pick one and invest in it, you know? But, uh, you know, that, that just it makes me feel better about my investment too, you know? Agreed. So, and we don't have leverage, right? We don't have options. Like right. these things that are more sophisticated, more gambling, more speculative, um, it's definitely for the investor, mostly who who likes to buy and believes in the in the long term vision, but mm-hmm. they still can trade, um, but without leverage, right? You know, we still have the institutional security. Um, as an investor myself, I mean, I just feel very happy to be a part of this company that's sort of pioneering. I mean, I feel very blessed every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard something really cool today with that that podcast I was telling you about with the guy that runs Ether Capital. He said he said he said something that was very that was very insightful. He, he said he considers the crypto market uh, volatile, but not risky. You know, and so many investors marry those two words together, but they're two very different things. And, you know, he's been in this a long time. I know you've been in it a long time. And he talked about volatility versus the riskiness. He Because because you can see the revenue on things like token terminal, you can actually see what these tokens actually make, Right. So that mm-hmm. gives you some confidence in knowing what you're investing in, but they are volatile, but there's a difference between risky and volatile. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's the volatility is very high, but now when you zoom out, if it looks like that thing is volatile to the upside more often than not, you know, you have asset that is a really good investable asset. If it's backed by a solid team, if it's having users, if it's generating revenue, you know, for me with this call it 50% decline, I'm incredibly happy. I mean, I was happy buying a lot of the DeFi uh, twice as high. And I and I believe that these things are fundamentally very undervalued. And I believe they're going much higher in the long term. And as an investor and an analyst, you know, when the fundamentals are good, but price is going down and people are saying it's over, that's the best time to be buying. And I hope that I have a few months of that. It's over. It's always like that. that it's over. I like that one. Yeah, it's over again. That's that's when Buffett says bye, baby. Yep. Blood in the streets. All right. I got one more thing for you. And I don't know if Josh got anything else, but tell us something that, that, that all these listeners need to know about crypto that they may not know. That it's not just about a name and a price going up and down. There is a very, very deep world that every time you see a token name, a dog versus a sushi versus a Bitcoin versus an Ethereum, there are, uh, uh, except for dog and a lot of these, there's actually hardcore teams 
with hardcore engineering skill sets and economists that are building systems to literally disrupt the big existing businesses. Ave is valued right now at around $2 billion, $2 billion market cap. And it's looking to go head to head with someone like Bank of America, which is like a $200 billion market cap. And I believe that Ave will outcompete Bank of America over the next 10 years. And so wow. what this means is that people need to start digging into the teams, into the total addressable market, into token terminal to look at the fundamentals. And very, you know, there's there's a few thousand of people in the world that maybe do this, maybe tens of thousands at a maximum. And the ones who do are going to and invest correctly, make the right decisions, they're gonna be absolutely stoked in five or ten years. Absolutely stoked. All right. You good, Shane? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, that's a great uh, way to end. Um, lot, lots, lots of digging around to do, but it's a good way to think about it. Because, yeah, that's, you know, with mainstream and every alert that comes up from Robinhood and Coinbase, hey, this is now listed by now, you know. But Agreed. looking at it from that perspective really changes it. And um, it's a little scary at the same time to know that these – infrastructure is going to be dismantled and replaced but we get a front row seat and we can yeah. choose or not to, to participate or not you know yeah and i think we'll have you know 10 20 30 40 50 years of these two financial systems going side by side okay. it's not like one or the other is going to just knock out the other in the next five years i think that um you know just a a few years ago, or even now, some people are still mailing checks or other people are using the, and maybe I trust capital uses checks sometimes. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, some people are still sending physical mail. Other people use an email, these financial system, these different financial systems will exist for a while together. Um, and I'm just betting on technology, innovation and entrepreneurs. After we got well, two feet of snow in Texas in February, anything is possible for me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. We appreciate it. Uh, guys, make sure to check out iTrust Capital, a promo code next level. Uh, Shane, anything else? Yeah. Episode, I think it was 30 was the, the first time you were on. So yeah, episode it's, a, it's a privilege having you back, brother. Thank you as always. Thanks. Yes. It's exactly what the listeners needed. And we hope to uh, chat with you soon. Yeah, definitely. Happy to come on for an update. Um, in a few months, we'll circle back again. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.